good morning. My name is Jordan, and I'm one of the pastors here at eFree. Hello to everyone here in the auditorium, and hello to everyone over in the venue. Hope that you are all doing well this morning. Um, if you're a guest with us this morning, I'm so excited that you're here. I hope that you find our church to be welcoming and inviting, that people are friendly to you here, and you find a place to belong with us here at eFree. That that's our goal as a church. So we are in the middle of a sermon series called Fruit for Every Day. And what we're doing is looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the different characteristics that it grows inside of us. And so this morning we're looking at the characteristic of patience. And so as we begin, I want to tell you three scenarios that you may have found yourself in that has tested your patience. So the first is it's Monday morning and you roll out of bed a little bit later than you anticipated. And so you get on to 2nd Avenue expecting to maybe go a little bit faster then 35 to make up some time. But as you pull on, you get behind the one person on 2nd Avenue who has nowhere to be at 8 o'clock. So they're going 25 miles an hour. And the other lane is full because this lane is going 25 miles an hour and you can't get over. At every stoplight you stop and you go, oh, why is this guy? Like, what is he doing? Like, it's 8 o'clock. What it, what is, there's got to be something better for this guy to do. And every stoplight you get more and more frustrated as you think about how much later you're going to be. Or the second scenario. It's this morning, you're getting ready to go to church, you go out to the van, and you want to get your kids in the van, and your three-year-old wants to buckle themselves into the van. That you want to get there on time, and they're like, no, I, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do the buckles. And you're like, no, if I do it, it's 10 seconds. If you do it, it's three minutes. And you have to untangle everything, and you're like, come on, just please. And you wrestle back and forth with them, and you can feel the frustration and the annoyance rise in you as they buckle themselves in. Or the third one, you're on a flight, you're, maybe you were away for a conference or for a work trip, and this is the last flight between you and home. You get on the plane, and you're ready to take off, you put your seatbelts on, and then you see the flight attendant, it's like poking this monitor, and they begin to talk to the other flight attendants, you're like, this is not good. And then the pilot comes across, and he says, it's going to be a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be up, up in the air, and then a few minutes turns into 20 minutes. And he says, just a few more minutes, which turns into an hour, and you just keep looking at your clock, and it's getting hot, and you're not very excited about the situation, and you get frustrated. So this is where patience comes in. So I have two different definitions for patience that I want us to look at this morning. So the first definition is that patience is not responding in anger or annoyance to annoying situations. So those first three situations are annoying and you can either respond with patience, which is not responding in anger or annoyance, or you can let your anger, your frustration get the better of you. But then there's also the second type of patience, which is not giving up, when the response we want is an instant or quick. So maybe you're trying to decide between two jobs, and you're waiting for each job to like tell you what is the situation. Am I going to get this job or am I not going to get this job? Or maybe you're trying to sell your house, and you're like, we put the house on the market six months ago, and we haven't got a realistic bid yet. Or maybe you're, a, as a family, you're praying for a neighbor or a loved one or a coworker to come to know Jesus. And every night at supper, you pray, God, would you please work in so-and-so's heart? And it seems like they're getting further and further and further away, not closer and closer and closer. And that's where patience comes in. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about patience and then how can that grow more and more patience in us so that we can be these people who can be in these difficult situations, be in these frustrating situations, and instead of responding in frustration, we respond with patience. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for all of these men and women and children here in the auditorium and in the venue. And God, I pray, 
And I ask that you would use your word in our hearts and our lives this morning, God. That we are people who need your patience. We need you to grow this characteristic of the Holy Spirit inside of us, God. Would you do that this morning? Would you begin to plant seeds in us that would grow to be an orchard someday? And God, we also pray that you would use the Holy Spirit inside of us, that there's so many people in this room that the Holy Spirit is inside of them because of their trust and faith in Jesus. God, would you please use that Holy Spirit to grow more and more of this fruit of patience inside of them, that they would reflect your character to a world around them. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So we are going to start in Proverbs 14, 29. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to the middle of the Bible, and you might land in Proverbs. If you don't, you'll probably land in Psalms or Job. If you land there, go to the right, and you'll find Proverbs. If you landed in Isaiah or Jeremiah, then go to the left, and you'll probably find Proverbs. Looking for Proverbs 14, 29. Now, Proverbs are not promises, but they're principles to live our life on. So this in 14.29 is the principle. It says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. So because it's so fast, I'm going to read it again. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. So we read that. It doesn't take a lot of interpretation. We go, yeah, that, that makes sense. Patient people have great understanding, and quick-tempered people, they display folly, or they display foolishness. And we've probably been in situations where we've seen quick-tempered people and we've thought, man, this guy is foolish. Like, this is, this is a coffee shop guy. Like, calm down. Like, why are you yelling at the barista right now? Or why are you being rude to this cashier? Like, this is a restaurant. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, relax. But the thing is, when we're the people that have the quick temper, we feel very justified. Like, I feel justified when I'm the one that's frustrated. So that airline situation was a real situation. I was coming back from a conference we get on the plane. It's my last flight between here and home. Land, land in Omaha at like 8 o'clock and then drive home, hopefully get home by 10.30. So I'm like, I really want to get this plane off the ground. And the stewardess or the flight attendants like pushing buttons. It's not working. And then the, the airline pilot comes across and says, we have a water door that we can't get shut. And so we're trying to get that figured out. And I'm thinking, just put a screw in the door. Or like duct tape it shut. Like just whatever you got to do, get off the ground. Like I don't want to be here anymore. Which is foolish. Like if a plane breaks down, it doesn't pull over to the side of the sky and wait for a tow plane to come get it and like take you in. Like you're in trouble. So you want the best airplane. You want it to be working at maximum efficiency. But in my fall, but in my quick temperedness, I became foolish. And I was like, whatever. Like just get it shut so we can go. So how do we become patient people? Because we would agree, I think, most of us, if not all of us, would look at this and say, yes, quick-tempered people are foolish. But we find ourselves in situations where we're quick-tempered. So how do we grow in patience? Well, I think there are three pieces of wisdom that patient people know. So the first is that patient people, they have a great understanding of God's patient character. That they understand how patient God is. They understand that this is his character, this is his nature, is that he is patient. So Exodus 34, 6 and 7, you don't need to turn there right now. We're going to bounce around a little bit, and so it'll be up on the screens for you. It says, And he passed in front of Moses, he being God, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So what's happening in these verses is that Moses wanted to see God, and God says, you can't handle that. I'm going to give you a glimpse, just this little tiny glimpse of who I am. 
And so he flies by, and as he flies by, he kind of introduces himself to Moses. He declares, this is who I am. And the words that he chooses are so interesting to me because he introduces himself by saying, I am compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, which is that patient piece, abounding in love and faithfulness. Which if you had asked me, Jordan, how do you think God's going to introduce himself? I would have thought he's going to show up and go, I am the Lord, the Lord, mighty and powerful, undefeated in battle, that I am all-knowing, all-wise, everywhere at once. That's not how he introduces himself. He goes to his compassion, goes to his graciousness, goes to his patience, goes to his abounding love and faithfulness. Like this is the characteristics that he builds his reputation on are these things. So this is our Heavenly Father. If you put your trust and your faith in Jesus, this is our Heavenly Father. This is who He is. He is patient. He is kind. He is gracious. He is loving. So that is what we receive. That is what we get as His children. As His patient, kind, good character. So we go on to Joel 2, 12-13. I want to show you this isn't just one verse. This is who He is. In Joel 2, 12-13, Joel is writing, and he starts off by talking about this day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord is this judgment day, where God is going to bring judgment against all the evil in the world, and he's going to call all the evil to account, and he's going to separate the evil from our world. But even after he says all of that, he says this in Joel 2, 12. He says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart. He says, tear your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. That Joel says, even now, God's character is that he wants to be patient with you. He wants to be kind with you. He wants to be merciful towards you. That he does not want to crush you. He does not want to punish you or cut you off. He wants to rescue you. But you have to put your trust and your faith in Jesus in order for that to occur. And so he's saying you need to trust in the Lord and you'll be saved. You need to turn back from him and away from the sin and the evil you've been pursuing. Because God is a gracious, patient God. He wants to rescue you. This is his character. Then in 2 Peter 3, 9, so you can see it's not just an Old Testament thing. Peter's writing to a bunch of churches and he's encouraging them that God is going to keep his promise. Because these churches are beginning to wonder, is God really going to keep his promise to come back and rescue us? Because it's been 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and he hasn't come back yet. So does he really want to keep his promise, or is he making excuses why he can't come come around right now? And this is what Peter says to them. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That he's not dragging his feet. He's not making all these excuses for why he can't come. He's not going, well, you know, my golf game is really killer right now, and i got to keep I gotta keep golfing. I gotta keep working on this. I don't, I don't wanna lose my edge. Or he's not like, well, the beach is just really nice right now. I don't wanna come back. Or heaven is amazing. I, I don't wanna come back right now. I'm gonna just push it off. Like we do with some of the chores around our house we don't really like to do. And so it's the last possible thing on our list. You're like, okay, I did every single other thing. Now I'm gonna weed whack. That's not what Jesus is doing. Peter says, as some understand slowness, that he's not putting it off, but instead, instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So what Jesus is doing is that he knows there are people tomorrow that are going to come to repentance. They're going to turn to him and trust in faith. And there's people the next day, and the next day, and maybe weeks from now, and months from now, and maybe years from now, there are people that are going to turn to him and trust in faith that right now, if he returns today, they would be cut off. 
They'd be separated because they haven't yet made that decision. And so Peter is saying, he's not coming back today because he doesn't want to cut those people off. He wants them to come to repentance. He wants to come see them come to trust and faith that they could be rescued, that they could be redeemed, they could be brought into the family of faith. So he's patient. That's why he waits. It's not because he's putting this off because he doesn't want to do it. He's putting it off because he's patient with these people. And he's giving him more opportunities to turn to him. So what I want us to see in this is that this is the character of our patient and good God. That if you are in this room and you are a Christ follower, that you put your trust and faith in Jesus, this is his character. This is what he is and does. And that's what we want to, ref- that's what we want to reflect. This is why we strive after patience. This is why we pursue patience, why we want to grow in patience, is because we want to reflect this character to the world around us. As we receive it, we want to reflect it. That we don't want to be his children who receive patience and then reflect impatience, reflect annoyance, reflect anger. That's not what we want to do. We want to reflect this patience of our very patient and good God. So the first thing that patient people know is they have this great understanding of God's patient character. But the second piece of wisdom that they know is that they have a great understanding of the root of their impatience. That they get to the root of what their impatience is. What I mean by this is when you're sick and you get a fever, the fever is an indicator of something bigger going wrong. Whether you have an infection or you have a virus or something else is going wrong, the fever is not really the problem. The problem is this second issue that's deeper underneath the fever. So if we just treat the fever, we're not really dealing with the problem. And impatience works like this. And patience is an indicator of a deeper issue. And so we want to get to that deeper issue. So the deeper issues that I mean are like control. Control is the first one. And control is it has to be done my way. Or it has to be done the way I want it to be done. Or it has to be done because I said so. And so an example of this is that when my wife cuts potatoes, there are times that she does not cut them in a way that I like. And it creates impatience in me. And it's dumb, like it's dumb, like it's potatoes. But I like my potatoes to be cut uniform so then they bake uniformly or cook uniformly because if they're not uniform, then these ones will be mushy and these ones will be hard and it's not a great eating experience. And so there's times that I've gone in and my wife's cutting potatoes and they're all different sizes and I'm like, what are you doing? And it's dumb, like I'm being a control freak. Like control is the issue. It's not that my wife's not cutting the potatoes the right way, it's that I have a control issue. And I want it done my way. And so I asked my wife if I could share that. And she said, as long as you tell them when you cut the potatoes, it takes two hours. So, so just know, when I cut the potatoes, it takes a long time. So what do we do when we notice that control was the problem? When we notice that, that it, the problem is that I want it my way. We take that to God. And I take my control to God and I go in there and I say, God, I'm frustrated right now. I'm tempted to be frustrated because the potatoes aren't the right size. Would you help me? Because I don't want to ruin dinner. I don't want to ruin the rest of our night. I don't want to crush my wife because of potatoes. Like, this is pointless. This is, it doesn't matter, but it matters to me, and it shouldn't. Would you be bigger in my heart than potatoes? So we give our control to God, and we ask God, God, would you help me in this area? The second root cause of our impatience is fear. And fear is that I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to get hurt or someone I love is going to get hurt or I'm afraid of how this is going to make me look. 
So my favorite example of this is there was a pastor who was talking about how he was always frustrated with his slow service. That every lunch he would go in and his servers were never fast enough. And he was always frustrated with them. And so he began to do the hard work of what's going on? Why am I so frustrated with my servers? And began to realize, okay, the issue is that I'm late coming back from lunch and so I'm going to these meetings late and I don't like how I look because I'm showing up late and people think either I don't care about them or I'm a bad pastor or this is this is important to me and that's why I'm getting frustrated with my servers. And so he goes, okay, my real issue is I'm afraid of what I look like. And then he looked at his situation and said, okay, I give myself 20 minutes for lunch. Like there's no way I can leave my office, get lunch, and come back in 20 minutes. So it's not my server's fault that I'm so frustrated with them. It's my fault for giving myself unrealistic um, time for lunch. And then I'm mad or I'm frustrated or I'm afraid of what these people are going to think of me. And so when we have those situations, we take our fear to God. And so we say, God, would you help me to trust more of what you say about me than what these people are going to think about me? Would you help me to hold on to more of what you say about me than what these people might say about me? Because so much of our motivation sometimes it's driven by fear and if I'm going to please this person or that person. And then we get into situations where we know because of this situation I'm not going to please them and then I get impatient or frustrated or angry. And so we get to the bottom of what is really the problem. Because impatience is just an indicator of what the real issue is. The third area the third root cause is unmet expectations. That is, I thought it was going to be this way, and reality is that it's not. And so I most experience this when I do house projects. Whether it's in my yard or whether it's around our house, I, I grossly underestimate how much time something's going to take. And so I go in thinking, okay, this will take three hours. I'll be done with this at lunchtime. And then by the time I get everything out I need for it, and I get all the supplies for it, and I get started, it's lunchtime. And then I'm like, what am I going to do? Like this, I'm going to spend the rest of my day working on this or the rest of the weekend I'm beginning to get frustrated because I met this, I haven't met this expectation of I'm going to be done by lunch and I'm not. So then I begin to get impatient with my wife and with my son and it's not their fault that I made unrealistic expectations but I begin to take it out on them because my goals were not met or my expectation was not met. And so what I have to do is I have to take my expectations to God and say, God, would you help me? because I, I, I made terrible expectations. I thought I was going to get this whole thing done in three hours and it's going to take me three days. Would you help me to readjust my expectation so I don't spend the next three days angry that I didn't get this done in three hours? That I don't want to be impatient with everybody around me because my expectations weren't met. Now, there are times and places where we have an employer-employee situation, we have a parent-child situation, where we have these authority issues where it's like, I'm the boss and I'm telling you what you do and you should do it. And that's a good thing. But even as we do that, there should be patience because God has patience with us. Because I look at my own life and there's very few times where God says, I want you to do this right now. And I'm like, yes, right now I will do that thing. Most of the time it's like, well, let me think about it for a while. Let me pray about it, God. And when my kids do that to me or my son, my son does that to me. I get frustrated. I'm like, I am the adult. I'm the parent. I told you to do this. I want you to do this. And so I want to grow in this. That I want to give my control over to God. So even as I grow, even as I demand that my son listens as he respects authority, I don't do it out of impatience, but I do it out of patience. Impatience, impatience. So, 
patient people. They know God's patient character and they get to the root of what the real problem is with their impatience. They don't just blame impatience. They don't just blame their wife for cutting the potatoes wrong or their kids for not listening. They go, okay, my real problem is control or fear or unmet expectations. And then we take those things to God. And then the third thing is that they have a great understanding of their continued need for the Holy Spirit's work in their life. That they have a great understanding that God is still needing to work in their life. They know that God still needs to do something in them. The Holy Spirit still needs to do something in them. That they are just desperate and dependent on God's work. So what I mean by this is that I see a lot of times in Christianity that people get this false sense that they've arrived or that they're a finished product because they make this list of big sins that they say, okay, these are what good Christians don't do. They don't steal, they don't murder murder people, they don't commit adultery, and if I don't do those things, then I'm a good Christian. But I rarely, if ever, see someone put impatience on that list. They're like, if I don't murder anyone and I'm not impatient, then I'm good. That's not what they do. And so they create this false sense of I've arrived or I'm a finished product, and then they defend their impatience. And they say, well, I'm only impatient with my kids. Like, if they wouldn't just do this to me, then I wouldn't be impatient with them. They just let me buckle them in the car. Or it's, it's only my brother or my sister because they never show up on time. That if they just showed up on time, then I wouldn't be impatient with them. Or it's just this one employee that if they would just do what I tell them to do, then I wouldn't be impatient with them. And then we defend it and we justify it. And patient people, they want God to work in that area. They say, no, God, you take this. You go to work in this area. I don't want to be this kind of person that defends the evil that exists in my heart. So let's look at Matthew 18, 23 through 27, because I want to see what this looks like. I want us to see the ugliness of it. So this is a parable. So if you have your Bibles, this is a good place to turn. Matthew's in the New Testament, so it's towards the back of the Bible. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you land in Mark, Luke, or John, go to the left, and you'll find Matthew. So this is a parable, and a parable is a story that Jesus tells, and he tells it for a specific purpose. Usually it's a single purpose. And to be clear, this parable is about forgiveness. It's not about patience, but there's a patient piece to it that I want us to see. So this is the story that Jesus tells. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So this king wants to settle debts. He's been calling in people one by one. It's time for you to pay me what you owe. And this guy comes in, and the guy owes 10,000 bags of gold. Like, we can't really fathom, like, is it a big bag? Is it a little bag? We can't wrap our head around it. So pretend that you got behind on your mortgage, that you're a number of payments behind, and the bank is going to foreclose in your house. So you go into the bank, and begin to plead with him, would you please be patient with me? Please, like this is my family's house, you give me a little bit more time. Just give a little bit more time and I can get right on my payments. Would you just, please, a little bit more time. Be patient with me. 
in the bank, instead of just being patient and giving you more time, they say, you know what? We're going to cancel the debt on your house. Here's the deed to your house. You own your house now. Like, wow. So this is what just happened for this guy. And then in verse 28, it says, but when the servant went out, he leaves that meeting, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. These are the very words the other servant just used with the king. And now this servant is using those same words to plead with him. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So he finds this servant who owes him a few silver coins and he begins to choke him and shake him because he's so angry that this guy has not paid his debt. And the guy pleads for patience, pleads for more time, and he does not give him more time. Instead, he throws him in jail. So this is like you leaving the meeting with a bank. You go home, you pull in your driveway, and you see your neighbor who's mowing his lawn with a lawnmower that he bought some of it from you. And he still owes you 100 bucks in lawnmower. And your frustration and your impatience that he has not paid you when he said he would, and you begin to charge over there, and you begin to grab him by the shoulders and shake him and say, pay me what you owe me. You owe me $100, pay me what you owe me. That there's something ugly in that. There is something disgusting in someone being shown such grace and mercy and patience and then not reflecting that to the people around them. And this is what happens says in verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. They see the ugliness of the situation. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. So I want us to see the ugliness of what it's like when we are shown such mercy and compassion and patience by our Heavenly Father. When this is his character and he shows that kind of character to us and he shows us that kind of patience and then we're impatient with people. We become this servant. And there is way more of this servant in me than I like to admit. There is way more of this attitude in my heart than I want to admit. And I see it come out in situations where my control or my fear or my unmet expectations are hit. And I become this servant who forgets all the patience I've been shown. And I begin to get frustrated and angry. And by God's grace, I've never put my hands on anybody. But there's this frustration in my heart of like, why won't you just do what I want? That exists in my heart. That I see it and my control where my son won't do what I want him to do and I'm like I'm the dad you do what I tell you to do or when we're at a football game and he's playing on the bleachers and I'm afraid he's going to fall but I'm also afraid if he falls what is everybody around me going to think like what are they going to say about how terrible of a dad I am and so then I am harsh on him because I'm afraid of what people are going to say about me or my expectations are met I'm thinking you're going to do this and you didn't do it I'm like why aren't you doing this that I become this servant. And the thing 
that really grows my patience and the thing that makes my impatience disappear is when I'm in the middle of like wanting in my heart to shake someone and God says, Jordan, is that how I treat you? Jordan, is that how I talk to you? Jordan, have I ever talked to you the way you want to yell at that person right now? Have I ever treated you the way you want to treat this person right now? Have I ever used that tone with you that you just used with your wife or your son or this other person? And it knocks all the fight out of me. It knocks all the frustration out of me. And I go, no, God. You've never treated me that way. You've never talked to me that way. You've always shown me grace and mercy and patience. Would you create more patience in me? Would you create more patience in me? Would you help me to be someone who disciples and disciplines out of patience, not out of frustration? That I don't want my son, I don't want kids in youth group, I don't want people around me to remember me as someone who was impatient and frustrated and tried to drive them by anger or fear. But I want them to say that was a person who reflected Christ's character well. And so I have to go over and over and over again to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you grow this in me? that I am desperate for your work in my life because I don't want to be this kind of servant. But I know I have a tendency in me to be this servant to forget all of the good things you've done for me. Would you please remind me of your goodness? Would you remind me of your patience that you've shown me? And so I have to start my day by saying, God, would you help me to be more patient? That if that's what you're focusing on, if that's what you want God to grow in you, then you start your day saying, God, would you... Help me to be more patient today. God, would you help me to remember your patient character that when I'm tempted to be frustrated or annoyed that I would instead go to all the times that I've done this thing to you or I've done something similar to this like this to you and you've not been annoyed with me but instead you've loved me out of patience. God, would you help me to get to the root of what's really going on? Would you help me get to the bottom of my real problem? Because my real problem is not this person. My problem is me. It's my control issue, it's my fear issue, or it's my unmet expectation issue. Would you help get to the bottom of that? And then would you remind me every day that I'm not a finished product, that there's still growth in me, there's still ability for me to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, would you grow this fruit? Would you grow this character in me, God? So we gotta ask day after day after day for God's help. So if you're like me, there's hope. That God's not done with us. God's still growing in us and he has given us the Holy Spirit that this is a winning battle we fight. That we are going to be victorious. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for his goodness. God, I thank you for your, your patience towards us, God. God, you are so patient. You are so kind with us. God, would you remind us of your patience? Would you remind us of your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness? God, would you help us to be this kind of people? That we'd be a, a people of patience because our God is patient. Because our Heavenly Father is patient, God. That we want to reflect your character to a world that needs that patience. God, we are in desperate need of your help. That apart from you, God, we will be this servant that is frustrated, that is angry, that mistreats their fellow servants and forgets all you've done for us. So God, would you please remind us of your mercy and your grace. Pray this on your son's name. Amen.